I'm going to start by going back to 2005 when I was clearing my parents' family home and I found my composition book from the last year of junior school. I was age 10, faded pencil, and I found a story which I did remember writing called If I Had Wings. And in my story, it had been very heavy snow and I fell asleep and I woke up under the starlit night sky and then I saw a sledge drawn by beautiful stags and I took the reins and we sped down the snowy hill. And this is the bit that really interested me. To my great surprise, when we descended the hill, we came neither to the village nor to my own cottage. Instead, we came to a mystic valley adorned with snow. It was so quiet and blissful, its beauty far beyond anything else I had ever seen. And then I woke up and, of course, it was all a dream. And there was a final wish in that story as well, that I could perhaps even enjoy the thrill of that dream again. I could enjoy the mystic valley again. And I think I do, actually, and more than that. And also in childhood, there was something about a woman in white embodying purity, beauty, quiet courage. So we don't know. We don't know when a connection starts. We don't even know which lifetime a connection might start. And when I was getting close to writing this talk, suddenly White Tara became strongly present because I was actually experiencing quite a lot around Padma Samava at the time. But White Tara really manifested last week. And I wrote this last Wednesday and then realised it was the anniversary of my private ordination in 1995, where, of course, I took the sadhana. And today is the anniversary of my public ordination. So that was T. Ratnaloka, White Tent as the kuti on the lower lawn. I walked down. I met my preceptor, Sangadevi. I took the sadhana practice of White Tara, which is one of her practices. And actually, I find it interesting being asked to talk about sadhana, about my relationship with my yidam, because a lot of it is a mystery beyond conventional understanding. And it's also quite personal and intimate. So I think I find it easier to be evocative. So the beginning of the explicit connection for me was in the early 1990s. I asked for ordination in 1990 from Colchester in the early days. In 1991, I had what seemed to be a very serious health diagnosis of MS based on very minor symptoms. And I was told I'd be disabled in 10 or 15 years' time. And at that time, I had a close connection with she who would be Vijamala, who was living at Taraloka. And she was one of my main Mitra connections, and it was she who suggested White Tara to me as a figure of healing, who bestows long life. And as it happened, Vijamala and I were ordained together. It's her public ordination day today as well. So that period between 1991 and 1995 was a crucible of intensity for me. I was moving towards ordination. I was considering my health, how you respond, how you plan your life, and I was also doing a significant demanding job in a sixth-form college. I was living with the foresights, sickness, old age, death, and White Tara very much as the fourth sight. The fourth sight can give you that glimpse of the noble path that leads from suffering. And very obviously, my symptoms haven't developed, nothing has happened. 
And I'm not saying that she healed me, but she was a force of spiritual momentum in my life and opened up a much larger vision around beauty, wisdom, compassion, and a sense of a reality much faster than what we conventionally know, not fact, not scientific, not research, beyond all of that, boundless. And we don't know it, and yet there's also a kind of recognition, a kind of ah yes, about faith and about the imagination. And I feel so grateful, actually, to Bante for his late teachings on the imagination. We evoked his early life today, but near his death, he was also very visionary, very visionary. So my ordination in June 1995, I'd received my invitation, I was effectively going for refuge, and the time had come to be introduced to White Tara formally in the ordination kuti, in that special space, at that most special time, and by my preceptor. So it was flowing through her. So it all happened at this particular juncture. And I felt humble and deeply enriched. And it was about more than me. So in the years after ordination, it was much less about my health. It was about my spiritual momentum, about developing a vision around the transcendental and a deepening relationship with White Tara. So my love, my devotion, and also my foibles and failures, my imperfections, my self-doubt, and my wandering mind. And sometimes, and this is still true, meditating, practicing my sadhana, it can seem as though nothing seems to happen. But there's a value of maintaining the connection, of just showing up. And sometimes meditating, nothing seems to happen. It can feel uninspired. And then something does happen. So White Tower, I haven't brought a picture, and I don't know that I wanted a particular image but how she, I'll just say something about how she is, because that's wonderful. So traditionally, White Tara sits on a pure white lotus on a white moon mat in the clear blue sky. She sits in a full lotus position, poised, centred in her wisdom. Her extended right arm and her right hand reach out in constant giving and compassion. Her left hand, close to her heart, in the mudra of the giving of the refuges, holds a spray of lotuses, one in bud, one half open, one fully open. This speaks of our potential, what I can become, what you can become. These may well be the dark blossoms of the Utpala, the blue lotus that blooms by night. Her head is inclined to one side. White Tara listens. She listens. She hears the cry of the world, and maybe she hears the wind in the trees. She hears the bat at dusk. She hears the petal falling to the ground. She expresses the discriminating wisdom of Amitabha and also his discriminating compassion. I'm drawn to whiteness and can see her whiteness in the world. May blossom in hedgerows, summer clouds, 
smooth, untrodden snow like the mystic valley of my childhood story. Her robes are interfused with colour, that colour which is more... We know the colour and we don't know it somehow, more vibrant, more intense, and shimmering in the strands of the cloth of her clothing. And she's surrounded by moonlight and rainbows, like an aura. I mean, that's just wonderful. She's surrounded by moonlight and rainbows. Everything shimmering, insubstantial, vividly there and not there. No boundaries. And she's also the lady of the twilight and in between time. Maybe when the veils between the worlds are thinner. So yes, White Tower is luminous, translucent, shimmering there and not there, vividly present and fleetingly elusive. And I don't precisely see her, and I sense that she's too beautiful for me to see, and that sense is a kind of imagination. I know that my life is only the splash of a raindrop. I will live and die the earth and other planets will sometime disappear, but she is always there. So my experience of her, my sense experience, and it's, it's how it seems to me, and one has to be aware of interpretations, projections, humanising, but anyway, I don't see her. I don't see her in detail. I just have that overall sense of how she is. And I can invoke her mantra within me, silent and yet heard. And for me, probably the stronger sense is the kinesthetic sense, the felt sense, an inner sense, a play of energy and touch. And I believe it the more, more because it was something I never expected. And sometimes it's synesthetic. So a felt sense of light, of colour. And the outer sense is an ex external sense of presence in landscape, but also in particular rooms and at particular times and particular places. The shrine room in my ha house in Colchester, which Bante blessed. My shrine room in Shrewsbury. And actually in both those places, there was a sense of atmosphere as soon as I arrived, as though something was already in waiting I'm not a, a great traveller, but when I went to Mexico, White Tara was the lady of the mountains. And at Bogaya, I practised her sardana under the Bodhi tree. And sometimes I have a sense of a large presence, unbounded, <coughs> permeating the detail of life. And sometimes it's as if she is delicate, tender, nearby, <coughs> intimate. And I've called on her, chanted her mantra 108 times in times of trouble. Um, actually, very recently, recently, I was lying in bed at night, this has been a pattern recently, feeling very anxious about a decision I had to take about something in my life, and I can be prone to anxiety. And also, I have a kind of perspective of it. Oh, yes, this is what happens at night. But in my bedroom, where I have a, quite a large picture of her, there was just suddenly a sense of really warm, tight, tender, gentle kindness being held. But then also what arose was, would it really matter either way? Mm -hmm. And of course, I, 
my more ego-based self thought it mattered hugely. Mm. You know, that was a really good question. Will it, for lots of situations, does it really matter either way? Is this what matters most importantly? And it had quite an impact on me. Some delights in my life. I'm now in a chapter of nine and four of us are white Tara practitioners. So we have the chance as order members to share our practice and that's really, really good, really good. And also, uh, when I ordained Shraddha the summer before last, she took the white Tara practice and we do it together, we practice it together. And in my day-to-day life, uh, my ordinary life, I just wish to serve White Tara uh, as well as I can, to meditate, be kind, be aware, experience gratitude, practice with others. And I feel that what I've been able to offer in my life in the order, what I've been able to give, has been de- deeply supported by my sadhana practice, mm-hmm. deeply supported by it. Um, And in this lifetime, in my lifetime, in your lifetimes, a Buddha has appeared. We've met the Dharma. I can say I'm part of an order, a spiritual community, not perfect, also not perfect, but holding the vision of our spiritual potential. And I feel so fortunate and blessed by this opportunity that in this lifetime, white Tara can manifest in my experience. And thus going beyond self, beyond a fixed self is possible. Spiritual rebirth is possible. And a whole intimacy of connection and vision is possible. So coming on to lineage, there is a lineage of this practice. So Dardo Dardo Rinpoche received it from his predecessors. He passed it on to Sangharachita in the way that you described, received and mysteriously lost, as can happen. And Sangharachita, his friend, who took the Dharma to the West, to us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking when you were talking, gosh, if he hadn't been there, if he hadn't received those manifestations of lineage, you know, where would we be? Mm-hmm. And there'd just be this huge gap in our lives. Anyway, the lineage, Dada Rinpoche to Bante, Bante ordained Sangadevi, Sangadevi ordained me, I have ordained others. So we are, as we are, keeping this alive, a part of the flow of ordination within our movement. So I'm going to end, I'm going to end with a poem. Uh, I supported an ordination retreat at Il Convento in 2002. Il Convento, the ruined monastery in Tuscany, where quite a few Dharmacharis were ordained in the 1980s and Bante ordained them there, so he was there. <coughs> and then the women's wing took it on uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So we were there and Dharma Dinner asked if I brought any readings to White Tara and Bante and I hadn't. Oh, I said, oh, I could write something. It's best I could offer. So I remember sitting in what they call the loggia, looking down on the cloisters in this ruined monastery, uh, writing this poem. And I was there in this place of ordinations. And I wrote it quite quickly. I might write it differently now. And quite unknown to me, actually, became part of the order sardana for Bante, which we used to share on conventions. So this is for White Tara and for Bante. Bante has died. So it is out of date, and it is not out of date. So I'll finish with this. 
to White Tower and asking for protection for Bante, a personal poem. O oh, White Tara, I cannot really know you, elusive, ineffable, beyond time and space, and yet I deeply love you, and I feel a delicate intimacy with the mystery of your being. You are the goddess, the lady of the twilight, with the beauty of a hundred autumn moons, giver of the cities and bestower of blessings. You see and see with your seven eyes, then weep and weep at the ways of the world. You are purity and potency. You are the resplendent queen and the virginal princess. You are the true mother, cherishing us like little children, I have had many mothers in many lifetimes, been cradled lovingly in their warm arms, only to follow their coffins to their cold graves. Release me from all of this. You are sunlight on snow, the whiteness of May blossom, and of soft clouds in summer skies. You are the moon among shooting stars, and magically there in the morning over the ancient cloisters. Your sound is the haunting notes of your mantra. Your perfume is the sweet scent of incense. Your taste is the nectar of immortality. Your touch is the intricacy of rainbows and the softness of moonshine. O oh, White Tara, Look kindly on our teacher, who has walked these grounds, sat in this room, loved this land. Protectress of Dardo Rinpoche, protectress of Sangharachita, grant him your gift of long life and your many cities. You have been with him when he was monk, scholar, pioneer when he was traveller, poet, faithful friend, the humblest of heroes, the best of men. Now in the twilight of his days, may he see you more. Watch over him constantly, lovingly, when he sits in quiet contemplation, when he delights in good company, when he walks slowly through the autumn landscape, the best of men. White Tara, take care of our teacher and grant him long life. <laughs>